Welcome to church. Welcome to Spring Break Church. Woohoo! Stand with me. <laughs> We're going to have a great time today. Jesus, we're going to lift you up. We want to glorify you so that you bring glory to the Father. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts and our minds as we learn about you and we hear the words of Jesus speaking about you coming, Holy Spirit. Teach us something new today. We, we open our hearts to you. Be glorified. Amen. Well, we are small in number up on stage, so I told Joy, crank up the music. So, if you need to turn down your hearing aid or something, uh, switch seats, that's good. But here we go. Let's sing God's praises. our cry today. Show us your glory. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens. We want to Of our praise. 
Let me teach you something. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. Try that with me. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. One more time. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. Let us teach you a new song. It's got a lot of words, but they're really good ones. It goes like this. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us, come rest on us, so come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Try that again where the spirit is moving. Where the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us where the spirit was moving. Come rest on us, come rest on fire and wind, fire and wind, come and do it again, open up the gates, let heaven on in, come rest on us, come rest on us, fire and wind, come and do it again, open up the gates, let heaven on in, come rest on us. Oh. 
what we want today. Holy Spirit, fill us. your heart's desire for the spirit to come and rest upon us I had the opportunity to gather with 5,000 leaders from around the world and we sang this and there's man there's nothing like everybody raising their hands and crying out Holy Spirit rest on us we need him, don't we? One more time, let's just sing Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all You're all we want. So we invite you in, Spirit. You're welcome in this place. Have your way.
We're going to come to a time of prayer, and I, can you all turn the lights down just a little bit so I can see these sweet faces? Hi. 
we're going to come to a time of prayer this morning. Um, but the song that we sang, those words, the Spirit was hovering over the waters. That may have sounded weird to some of us. Like, what, what does that mean? Well, it comes from the very first paragraph in the Bible. Let me read it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I felt as though God was saying to me, so many of us have allowed the Spirit to hover over our lives. But we have not allowed God to make in us a new creation. That God has been hovering over your life from the very beginning of your life before you were even a twinkle in anyone's eye. The Spirit of God has been at work calling out to you, wanting to do something new in your life. And so right now, right now, before we go any further in this service, I want to give you an opportunity to say, yes, I have let you, God, hover over my life, and it's been nice to know that you're there. But now I want to open myself up and say, create in me something new. Make something new in my life. Now. We don't have to wait till the end of this service. So we're going to pray. And you are welcome to pray where you are, if that tugged at your heart at all. You are welcome to come forward and we can gather around you and pray. You can come to us during peace and say, hey, will you pray with me? We'll do that. But now is our opportunity, even if we have been following Jesus for a long time, y'all. But we've allowed him to go back to that place of hovering. He wants to do something new in your heart. So let's say yes, okay? God, your grace and your goodness and your love, oh, it's been all around us. We know that you are present. We know that your spirit has been calling out to us. We wouldn't be here this morning if we didn't feel some kind of calling from you to know more about you. But God, we confess that we've been fine with you hovering over the waters of our lives, that we've been okay with you 
being at a safe distance. But we have wanted to keep the control of our own lives. Maybe we think that you're going to do something like weird with us. And it feels a little scary because you're God and you can do whatever you want. But God, I pray that this morning that each of us will look at how we have been responding to you or not responding to you that will consider whether or not you have been hovering over us or if you have been changing us into something new every single day. And so God, this morning we come to you maybe for the first time maybe for the 500th time, to say, create in me something new, God. I don't want to be the same today than I was yesterday. Today, I want to be a new creation. I want you to continue to make me more like Jesus. God, we trust you. You are the creator of the world. You are the creator of our souls. And so we give them back to you because you know better what to do with all of this than we do. And so we come to a place, God, where we cry out to you to change us, to make us new to give us another chance, to show us your mercy and your love and your grace one more time. We give ourselves to you, Jesus. Do with us what you will. And we know, we know that we can trust you with everything. We give it all to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So friends, this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to practice the peace that we receive from Christ with each other. And so let me be one of the first to say to you, may the peace of Christ be with you. I want you to stand up. I want you to extend that peace to each other. Um, We love you guys.
there's never a wrong time to get right. There's never a bad time to have some good moments, right? So we're going to keep going. We're going to trust that you are still open to the Spirit for the remainder of this service. And I'm excited about what God's going to do in our lives. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back. It was great to be on our cruise, but it's great to be back in the house of the Lord. So we have some upcoming events. Uh, March 25th, a couple weeks from now, is the um, VBS. Uh, Saturday from 9 to 12. We still need people to sign up to help if possible. We also are in great need of plastic Easter eggs and individually wrapped candy to put in those Easter eggs. So if any of you would be so willing to bring those maybe next Sunday to church, that would be wonderful. Um, Good Friday. Can't wait for Good Friday. It's my favorite church service of the year. I love it. Um, We are partnering this year with Thrive Church right here at Spruce Creek. Um, We'll have more details for you coming in the next few Sundays, but it will be at Spruce Creek at 7 o'clock. So they've asked us to partner with them, so we're really excited and looking forward to that. And then we have Easter Sunday. Praise the Lord. Cannot wait for Easter Sunday. Um, On Easter, it is also going to be a day of baptism. Yes. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And baptism truly is just a Christian's way to profess that Jesus is truly our Lord and Savior. So if you feel led that and you haven't been baptized and you feel that this may be the right time in your life, we encourage you to come and speak with Pastor Jen, Pastor Darren, and talk about what that looks like for you. But um, Easter's a coming. So thanks, everyone. Thank you. We come to a time of offering, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this um, just uh, for the sake of the service time, but offering is an act of worship. Um, We give to God because God has been so generous with us. And so... um, That involves time and money and talents, and sometimes we give God our attitudes that we need to give him um, by the way we give our times and our talents. um, But you're going to see four ways that you can give financially. Um, As we head into this next phase, um, Your financial support is critical, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in the coming days, but just as a quick 90-second update, our roof is fixed, which means it's time to start the interior work, which means we're going to be talking to you about some some needs that we have, and a lot of it is financial, because we need to get this place how it needs to be to make sure that... Um, 
it's safe for us, it's safe for our kids, and I'm excited um, about some things that are coming up. But you can give uh, online, you can text, you can mail, church lobby. You're here. I recommend church lobby because you're here. Um, If you're like me and you forget your checkbook every Sunday, um, this becomes one of my ways, and that's okay too. So, uh, but thank you for, for your faithfulness to God's house and God's kingdom. Um, it's because of you. I think last week, um, Craig mentioned, money goes to missions, money goes to the Nazarene church, money goes to planting churches, money goes to missionaries, money goes to building orphanages and hospitals and universities around the world that are training and equipping pastors and leaders. And so... Um, just want to let you know, the church tithes. We tithe 15% of everything that comes in. Before we pay a bill, it goes out for missions and other ministries. Um, we're not asking any of us to do anything that the church isn't leading the way with. So um, you, can, um, you can give joyfully, as we give joyfully. Um, and, uh, th- and let's pray. Jesus, we are your people. Thank you. We don't take for granted that the creator of the universe has adopted us into the family. And we are yours. May we live our lives eternally grateful, giving back all that we have to the one who gave all for us. We pray this, Jesus, in your name, through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Let's see if our prayer for understanding will pop up this week. Hey! All right. Let's let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. Hear these words with joy. From Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land, too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. And then in Romans chapter 5, oh, this is a good one, y'all. Romans chapter 5, the first 11 verses of that um, chapter. This is beautiful. Therefore, Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. 
Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too, oh, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our hope, our confident, confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to skip the um, the bumper for time's sake, but so you can just pretend like it was really good. Everybody like be like, oh wow, amen, yes, yes. Wasn't that a great video? Yeah. Thanks for going with me on that. Oh my! All right, all right, all right. So, so there's an app that I used to use, IFTTT. Has anyone ever used it before? If this, then that. It's an app that helps you um, with workflow. So in, in Houston, we would, uh, um, we had it set up to where, so, you know, so-and-so is building the graphic out. And then when they finished, they would put it in the if, then, this, that, which meant that it would automatically launch, if that's done, then let this person know, and they can import it into the computer. And when that's done, if that's done, then let the pastor know so that he can sleep easy at night and that kind of stuff. So, so it's if, then, the, then that. We have it at home um, we called it Alexa. Um, we have these lights in the backyard, and so it's very easy. We set it up to where if we say, Alexa, turn on the backyard lights, she says, okay. I wonder if our TV was on, if that would have turned on the lights. That would have been really cool. I wonder how many people... Like, if they're watching the stream, we're like, oh, my Alexa just went off. I'm not big on conditional statements. I just got to be honest with you. 
if you know me, you know I don't like conditions. I don't like it when people say, hey, if you'll do this, I'll dot, dot, dot. I really don't like it when people say, if you don't do this, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. Um, When those statements come up, I tend to go straight to the mindset of, well, do whatever you're going to do because I won't be held hostage. I don't like conditions. I don't like if-then statements in life. Now, there are exceptions. When Jen says, hey, if you get home early, we can go to the beach and go for a walk. I like that if-then. Um, I like First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. I like that if-then statement. Absolutely. So our scripture passage today, which is John 14, has a lot of if-then statements. And they, it doesn't always say if-then, but that's the whole idea of it. And so we're going to be reading John chapter 14, starting with verse 15. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to that, to, turn to that passage. If not, it'll be on the screen. If you're one of those people that says, I just need to see it even when it's off the screen... We've got Bibles in the back. You're welcome to grab one, and you can read along and then put it back when you're done. Or if you don't have a Bible, take it with you as our gift. So John chapter 14. Let's read this together. We're going to start with verse 15, and it's going to be awesome. If you love me, obey my commandments. You hearing the if then? So you're listening for if-then statements. If you love me, then obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now And later will be in you. Now, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you also will live. And when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, "Uh, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything 
and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Jesus, these are your words as best we know them. in an important time in history. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and wisdom to understand and unpack for each of us your words for us today. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So I've got three points. We're going to blow through these real fast, but we're going to not rush it. The first point is really simple. It's this. Obedience is the proof of our love for God. Obedience is our proof of our love for God. Let's spend just a minute here. I mean, clearly, obedience to God is important to Jesus, right? I mean, we've been reading the final words that Jesus is telling to these guys that he's been with for three and a half years. He's got this one last short amount of time with him. And in this time, at this dinner, in this upper room, to these disciples that he's loved and worked with, four times Jesus basically says this statement. Obedience to God is the proof of our love for God. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commands. If then. If you love me, this is, what's, this is what you're going to do. John 14, 21, he repeats it. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Now, right after this happens, it's interesting, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, I love how... John makes sure that we understand that. Not the really, really bad guy, just this bonehead over here. Um, (laughs) Judas, it's so interesting. Jesus is talking about love and obedience. And Judas wants to shift the focus from what he's called to do to what Jesus isn't doing. Jesus is saying, love me. If you love me, you'll obey me. And Judas says, wait a minute, what about all those other people? What about the world at large? Why just us? And Jesus lovingly steers him back to the message of the moment in the very next verse and says, all who love me will do what I say. We're not going to talk about the world at large. Do you love me? If you love me, 
you'll obey me. That's how the world will know that you love God. By the way that you obey. Let's not worry about the world. Let's worry about you. And the final place that we see this thought is in um, John 14, 24. Except this time it's kind of in a reverse fashion. In case you didn't get it the first three times, Jesus wants to tell you in reverse. It's not do this and you will. It's if you don't, then you don't. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. Now, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. I can preach about it and scream about it. We could shoulda, coulda, woulda all day long. But at the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. If you love Jesus, you obey. And if you aren't obeying, then you really don't love Jesus. You may say that you do, but you don't. And that goes for all areas of our life. It's easy to compartmentalize. We like to, um, we like to treat our religion like we treat our smorgasbords. Or, um, there used to be a place, I don't know if it was ever here, called Piccadilly Cafeteria. You know what I'm talking about? And you're going down, it's like, ooh, do I want ham or roast beef today? I think I want roast beef. Do I want jello or green beans? Jello. And we pick and choose what we like. And there are a lot of people that treat their relationship with Jesus the exact same way. Oh, yeah, I'll give Jesus like one Sunday a month. Um, I'll throw a 20 in the plate. And, um, yeah, you can put me on the prayer chain. I'm going to pass on the helping serve, you know, the church like, cleaning up the grounds. I'm going to hold off on being in the group, but I would like to take more of the warm fuzzies and maybe a little less guilt. And I'm going and we treat our relationship with Jesus as if it's a pick and choose your own adventure as opposed to an all or nothing thing that Jesus is actually talking about. Because all those, you know, those things are good. Coming to church is good. Um, giving, giving a little bit of money, being on the person, those are all wonderful unless you know that God is calling you to complete surrender. Unless you understand that God is calling you to be all in. Goodness, how would your marriage go if you decided to pick and choose those areas which you chose to love, honor, and obey and those areas which you didn't? Jesus wants all of you. And if we're not careful, we'll just sacrifice little parts of our life, but not all of our life. And those little sacrifices, all of a sudden, in the light of what Jesus is saying, they don't look like the obedient life that God is calling us to. And if you're someone that says, ooh, yeah, I'm kind of piecemealing my relationship with God, Can I just tell you, maybe you need to pray? Maybe there's a love issue. Maybe there's a surrender issue. God, I'm just not good at giving up everything. Maybe there's a selfishness issue. Maybe there's a salvation issue. I don't know what it is, but this if-then statement, there's not a lot of wiggle room 
If you love, you obey. The way you live is the proof of your love. Because if you know Jesus, then you know Jesus wants all of you. Nothing less than complete surrender. Anything less is just playing a game. Do you want to show the world what Jesus looks like? We always talk about like, ah, oh, I want to I want the world to know Jesus. Well, if you want to know, if you want to show the world what Jesus looks like, they'll see it through the lens of your obedience. When they see you obeying God and bringing glory to God and following Jesus and trusting him and being led by the Spirit, there is something that will perk up in their mind and they will want to know more. Second thought. If I love and I obey, then my life will be wrapped up in this life of Jesus. And I can trust Jesus because Jesus is a promise keeper. Amen? Jesus is the one that keeps promises. If Jesus is all that he claims to be, what does that mean? Well, Jesus in the passage makes some pretty audacious claims. I mean, these are statements that we read and they should anchor our faith into something strong and sure. Like John 14, 19. Since I live, you will also live. What? Okay. Think about that. Do we believe Jesus is alive? Since he lives, if we are in him, we also live. In him we live and move and have our being. So, so what I'm hearing is that my life is somehow connected to this life of Jesus, and that's amazing news. That's really amazing, and it's easy to read 2,000 years later. But this past week, I've been wondering, wow, how must the disciples have felt? See, you know, up until this point, they're going, yeah, man, everything's going our way, Jesus. You know, we just came into Jerusalem crowds are digging you this is awesome did you see the parade they threw for you and then you go into the temple and you're like what's up and you're flipping over tables and you're like wrong that's not in my house <laughs> like the kimbe matumbo not in my house and then like everyone's digging you and people are coming to you and sick people are coming they're being healed and even roman centurions are saying hey my kid's sick can you help even the enemy has come to you everything's going our way. And then we're in the upper room. We're celebrating the Passover. Dude, the fact that you're alive, Jesus, this is awesome. And we're with you. And we're going to stick with you because we want to live with you. Little did they know, 24 hours later. See, we have history on our side to look and see what happened. They had no idea what was coming. So I can't imagine what was going through their minds Friday. Friday. 
when they saw their Savior, their solution to their problems, carrying a cross to a hill that is known for cruel and brutal torture. When they saw his lifeless body being taken off the cross so that it could be buried before the sun went down so the Passover could remain holy. I mean, for the Sabbath. Jesus, you said our life is your life. You just told us that in the upper room and now your life is gone. What happens now? Can you imagine the depth of despair that the disciples were feeling? I love that Jesus anticipated what they would be feeling and he answered their concerns before they even realized what was about to happen. He answered their future concerns and heartbreaks with words in the moment. In John 14, 20, he says, When I'm raised to life again, You'll know that I'm in the Father and that you're in me and that I'm I'm in you. When I am raised. Jesus had absolute trust in God the Father. If the Father says this is the way, then this is the way. The path may be difficult. It's not one that I'm going to enjoy, but if this is the way, God, your will be done. I surrender. Because obedience to the Father shows love for the Father. Because Jesus loved God, He was able to be obedient, even to the cross. He was able to fully surrender to the will of the Father because He and the Father were one. They knew each other because He and the Father were one. So He knew God would raise Him from the dead. He knew that he would live again. He knew that this physical act would help anchor forever the truths in the hearts of believers everywhere that Jesus is in the Father. Not only that, because of the resurrection, Jesus says we can be found in Christ. Our hopes, our dreams, our purpose in Christ. Our callings, our focus, our mission In Christ. Our joys, our sorrows, our exciting times, our mundane times in Christ. Jesus not only promises that we will be in Christ, He promises to be in us. I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I am in you. How's that done, Jesus? How does the physical Jesus stay with Christ's followers forever? How does a physical Jesus who breathes air, walks on the dirt, has matter, how does this Jesus live in us? It happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. Third thought, Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Christ tells his disciples, 
He's going away, but the Father is sending a different part of Himself. It's not a different person or a different God. It's a different aspect, a different part. It's God the Father, Son, and Spirit. So while Jesus may be leaving, the Spirit is coming and and is going to be with us. John uses the word paraclete. Everybody say paraclete. That's one that you should... I don't know that you'll ever need to know, but it's kind of fun to say. John's the only person in the New Testament that uses that. That makes my mind perk up. I wonder what John means by that. Why would John use that word? Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the upper room don't use that word paraclete. Only John. So we translate it, um, the NLT translated it, an advocate. Um, sometimes you hear counselor. Um, sometimes you'll hear an intercessor, a teacher, a helper, a comforter. That's, those are all words that we hear for the Holy Spirit, right? Well, the word paraclete is so much more. This is what I love. It's so amazing. Okay, this is really cool. You ready? Yeah, you're ready. Paraclete. Here's one of the definitions. One who pleads another's cause. As in Christ as intercessor at the right hand of God the Father. Christ interceding for us is the paraclete in action. Second definition, in the widest sense, a helper, a secure, a secure, a secure. Oh man, I have a hard time with that. I had to look that up, just to be honest. That means a helper in times of hardship or distress. Secure. Um, an aid. So the first definition of paraclete is one as in Christ who intercedes for the fa- to the Father for us. The second definition is one who assists, as in the Holy Spirit, destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles after his ascension to the Father, to lead them to a deeper knowledge of the gospel truth and to give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecution on behalf of the divine kingdom. So you've got this idea, this paraclete. John's the only one that uses it, and John is awesome. I love him. He's very poetic. He wax eloquent. He's wonderful. He's the only one that talks about it this way, but he says, listen, what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to be here physically forever. I'm going away. I'm going back to the Father. That part of me is returning, but even when I'm gone, I'm going to be advocating and interceding for you at the right hand of God the Father, but you're not being left here on your own to try to make things work out and do your best that you can. It's okay. Nope. I may be going, but I'm not leaving. I'm coming back. I'm coming back in the form of the Holy Spirit, which is not another person. Remember last week, we talked about this dualism that a lot of us have, that there's God and then there's Jesus. There's the wrath of God in the Old Testament. There's the mercy of Jesus in the New Testament. No, 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 no. It's the same God. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is not some second-hand citizen of the Trinity. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. So John is saying, in Jesus' words, I'm going away but I'm still going to be interceding for you in the heavenlies. But I love you so much that I'm going to send another part of me. And this is the good thing. Because it is spirit, 
It's not tethered to one spot and one body and one group of people. And if you can get close enough to hear me, you're good. If you can't, sorry. No, it's this spirit that can live and dwell inside every person that believes. Actually, if you want to get down to it, the spirit is working and moving in everybody's lives. Some of you, it's the spirit bringing you to a point of salvation. Others, it's the, the spirit leading you to transformation and sanctification. But the spirit of God, we always believe God's provenient grace. The spirit of God is working in our lives. This paraclete, this way that God somehow, we love this incarnation. God became human flesh. That's cool. What I'm starting to really learn to appreciate is God being incarnate in you and me through the Spirit. It's awesome that God can come and take on human flesh and be fully God and fully man. But that's Jesus. And then I think, but if if God can take residence up in my house, in my life, in my heart. Oh, my word. Maybe that's why Jesus said, greater things will you do. Because it's not just me sending you 12 or you 72. It is all y'all with my spirit in you doing the work of the Father, bringing glory to the Son through the power of the Spirit. You have this triune God that is alive and at work in each of us. Y'all should be standing. This is exciting news. Why? Are we? All right. Don't move. John 14, 16 and 17 says this. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you an advocate, a paraclete, who will never leave you. For some of us, that's the good news of the gospel today. In a world where things are temporary and people and things leave, there is one that will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Get this. I don't know if you got this the first time. I I haven't gotten it until this past week. You know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. You know the Father because you've seen me. And remember last week, the first part of John 14 says, when you see me, you see the Father. So the Father, in essence, has been with you through the incarnate Jesus. The Father is going to still be with you through the Spirit. With you is great. In you is amazing. Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still be advocating for you. I'm sending someone else. Spirit will be in you. Don't let that pass by so quickly. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the living God inside you. Changing you. 
transforming you. If you know Jesus, you know the Father because they're one. If you know Jesus, Jesus has sent the Spirit that is teaching you and guiding you to all things because the Holy Spirit is within you. Not some Spirit, God's Spirit. If then, if we say we are Christ followers, then it should be evident by the generous way we live our lives, by the way the Spirit is moving in our hearts, by the way our love compels us to action, by the generous words we say, and by the cruel words we choose not to say. So today, four questions, and then we're going to come to the table. Things to consider from this passage. In John 14, 26, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach and remind us. Question today is, are we being teachable? What steps of obedience have we taken this week? If we can't think of any steps of obedience, that makes me wonder how teachable we're being because the role of the Spirit is to teach and remind. In 1427, he promises peace. I learned it in the King James Version. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I still remember that. There's something powerful about hiding God's word in your heart. But he promises peace. The peace with God and others is a good sign that my life is focused on love and obedience. So how peaceful am I? You can have the peace that passes understanding living within you. When's the last time I felt God asking me to do something? We get caught up in our Christian routine. It's easy to forget to stop and ask, hey, here's your servant listening. Speak, Lord. If it's been a while since you feel that God has asked you to do something, the question is, did God stop speaking? Or have you stopped listening? I will tell you that I am in the camp that says God is always speaking to us. So if we're not hearing God, that means that the disconnect is on our end. Last one, true life in Christ comes down to surrender. We know that, right? Is there anything that I'm holding back from God? This is self-inventory time. If there is, I'll never know the fullness of all God has for me. It's just not possible. If I'm not completely surrendered, I can't know the fullness of God. So what do I need to let go of today to embrace all that God has for me through God's Spirit living within me? Let's pray.
Jesus. God, we thank you for your spirit. Every week we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And it's easy to have your spirit kind of slip off our radar. When the truth is, it's your spirit that enlivens us and activates us and draws us to the Father and teaches us and convicts us of sin and shows us the way to Christ. It's your spirit, your ruach, that is our literal and spiritual breath. God, I pray that you'll help us. I pray that you will create fully surrendered hearts, even now. God, if there's something in my life that I'm holding back, show me because I want to surrender it. Holy Spirit, come, rest on us. We pray this in your name. As we come to the table, this is a moment that our Lord Jesus invites us to his table. Invites each of us who say we are hungry for Jesus. Each of us who have said earnestly, God, we long for more of you. This is our invitation to this table. I wanted to pray this morning a prayer of confession. We don't do this a lot, um, but it's a beautiful prayer. And so um, as I read this prayer, I hope that the Lord will speak to your heart and that it will be a moment of deep um, contemplation. That's a word, isn't it? of, of allowing God to search our hearts and know us and see if there's anything in us that he wants to, to work on. So let's pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be obedient. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so I want to give you this good news. That all who come to Jesus in repentance and obedience, he says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. It's a new start, y'all. This is a new beginning for you. This is your opportunity to come to the table in reverence and gratitude but in celebration for all that God has done and all he wants to do in and through you. On the night that uh, our Lord would be betrayed, 
this night that we've been spending a lot of time in. He took a common loaf of bread, nothing spectacular, but something that they were familiar with in this particular kind of meal together. But as Jesus does, he tends to change the meaning of things. And he said, this bread, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this represents my blood, which will be shed for you. Can you imagine hearing these words as his friends together in that room? This represents my blood, which will be shed for you for your forgiveness. Take it, drink it, drink all of it, and be thankful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for these gifts, we are so grateful. We're grateful for your sacrifice. We are grateful that you are alive in us. And so will you come and be in these elements the true bread and the true drink that we need? It is in you that we have life. And so we give our lives back to you freely. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as you come, we're going to come to this aisle and circle around this way. Um, But friends, the table is open. Come receive these gifts from our Lord this morning.
Will you stand with me? This is why I need to go first. Hold on. <laughs> it's been good to have you here today. It's been good to be in the presence of such a sweet spirit. Uh, will you sing with me our benediction? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next Sunday.